talk about that but there's lots of other things to chat about well if you couldn't tell today's episode is about sex i'm farron <laughs> i'm sorry you just said that in such a way different voice <laughs> if that can just tell you how this conversation is going to go today it's how it makes us feel <laughs> Kimmy, sex makes Kimmy feel giggly. I think it does make Kimmy feel giggly. In case you can't tell, that's Kimmy. <laughs> I'm Kimmy. I'm Susie. I'm Jen. So let's talk about sex. All right. So I think that I'll start this off by saying that in the spirit of full disclosure, when it was mentioned that this should be one of our topics, I said, I'm really not comfortable talking about sex. And we... In talking it over, realized that a lot of that comes from the fact that at my advanced age, back when I was coming up, it just wasn't something that women talked about a lot. And I think even Jen, who's considerably younger than I am, agrees with that, right? Right, I do. It wasn't something that was discussed. No one talked about how women should actually enjoy sex, too. It was all about how to make your man happy. So I will say even at 35, and I graduated high school in 2005, we did talk about sex. We had sex at in middle school and in high school, but it was very clinical. So we learned body parts and we learned that abstinence is the answer. If you have sex, you will get chlamydia and die. We had to do reports um, in high school about STDs. So we had to research them and look at pictures and find out how horrible things were. But never, ever, ever was there ever any discussion that sex is a natural part of life, something that everybody does, and something that you're going to do one day, too, that won't harm you. And for me, we did sex ed, I think, like in seventh grade as well. And it was, but it's, it was a combination. It was like a health. It was like... A little bit of sex ed, it was eating disorders, it was, you know, it was a little bit of just health. So, it wasn't anything major, and obviously, my girlfriends and I talked about it, so. So, let's talk about how we first learned about sex, because I would guess mine was from movies and and things like that. I didn't really know the ins and outs until I got to middle school, had sex ed, and learned I guess the clinical definitions of it. Um, I remember when I was ninth grade ish, my mom and I were driving to the park to run and she said, Hey, do you know about sex? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, okay, well, if you have any questions, you can ask me. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then my freshman year of college, my dad and I were driving to a basketball game and he was like, well, you know, I mean, you, you, you know about sex, right? And I was like, yeah. And that was, the brunt of it. And then I think like, I remember being really little and we only had one TV in the house and it was in my mom's room. So she would, I don't even know if she was home. Yeah, she was home or something, but my older brother and sister were old enough to watch a movie. And then I remember we'd sit on the floor at the base of the bed and, and mom would be like, is that baby asleep? Which was me, you know, or cover her eyes. And, and, 
you know, I was never, and I saw things that I wasn't supposed to be seeing that the older ones could see. And, um, but really she never, I think when I was 19, she's like, Kimberly, have you ever had sex before? And I'm like, mom, I put myself on the pill at like 16, just in case. Thank you, Planned Parenthood. And, um, so thank goodness for that. Because for me, somebody that didn't have somebody that talked to them about sex, Planned Parenthood was there for me. Yeah, to piggyback on that, um, I don't know why I took such a vested interest in women's health and things. I actually did a few semesters at IU. I wanted to be a sex therapist, and my um, college roommate called me once after I'd Stella to check in, and she said, you know, the funniest thing, I opened a book, and this these diagrams fell out because so many girls were so uneducated about their own bodies and things when I was at IU that... I would draw them diagrams of like their vaginas and of their uteruses and reproductive systems. And I would explain how getting pregnant worked and they kept them for some reason. But, um, so at 16, I was like, okay, I'm going to go get on birth control. And then I kind of became known around the school as like, Hey, if you need to get on birth control and you can't tell your parents, call Farron. She'll go to Planned Parenthood with you. (laughs) Good for you. What was the no, talk like well, with you? There was no talk. Mm. We just didn't talk about it. And I remember when we were watching a movie or a program at home, I would always have like a magazine or a book on my lap so that if a sex scene came on TV and I'm in the room with anybody in my family, I could act like I was reading and not look up at that part of it. It just was not something we talked about. And my mom did not tell me anything. But did you pull the magazine cover down and look? Well, sure. Okay, sure. All right. So I was actually in the car with my mom and I think her best friend when I was in probably sixth grade. And no, it was probably younger than that. So my mom was pregnant with my sister and she was, so I was 10 and my mom was pregnant. And so I asked her where babies came from and she says, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah. She goes, do you really know the real truth or the version that other people tell you and I'm like no I want to know the real truth so she tells me and I was so grossed out (laughs) I couldn't believe why I I couldn't understand why anyone would do that because that was disgusting so I also when I was 16 went to Planned Parenthood and uh got my first version of birth control and I never told my mother and we never had that conversation and she maybe knew I was having sex but I didn't want to talk about it so when I got to the situation where I had my own girls I wanted to have better conversations with them. So when my daughter started dating her first serious boyfriend, um, we had the conversation and, and you know, six months into a relationship, I'm like, well, if you, if you feel like at some point that you wanna have sex, you know, let me know and we'll get you on birth control. Being the, you know, strong mom that I am. So, you know, a few months later, she actually, uh, I was taking her to the barn. We pull up to the gate and she stops, I stop to get out and she says, mom, I think I'm ready to get on birth control. Can you take me to the doctor? And I'm like, yeah, I'll make you an appointment. We'll get that arranged. So she gets out of the car. She goes up the, to the barn. I go to the end of the drive. I stop my car. I call my friend Jody, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, I wanted to be the good mom with my daughter. Yeah. Oh, my God, what a tough situation to be in where your daughter actually comes to you and says, I'm ready to have sex. I'm glad she did. Good job, Mom. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I took her, and... Uh, we got her on birth control, and then when she actually graduated high school, she actually asked for her graduation present was an IUD because she wanted to get all the way through college without any fear of pregnancy, that which I thought was really great. That must have been really fun at the grad party when she opened that up. 
Um, so I know I've mentioned, you know, Stella asked in third grade and I told her. Um, and so she's in seventh grade right now and she's in sex ed and it's actually been quite hilarious this week. She comes home um, and says, mom, so we're talking about sex at school. And I said, yeah. And she goes, I knew more than all the other kids. And I was like, okay. So they had to sit in circles and talk about how they learned about sex and what misconceptions they had. And she was just like, I told everybody about your whole key in the lock analogy. And if you don't know what that is, go back to our relationships podcast. It's in there. Um, and she said on Friday, they got to last week, write down any questions they had about sex. And the teacher answered them. So the first one was, is semen edible? And he said, I wouldn't recommend it as a snack, but it won't kill you if you eat it. <laughs> and the questions ranged from, why would I need a Magnum condom to, can you get pregnant in your butt? And anything in between. And I said, well, Stella, what question did you ask? And she said, well, I wanted to know, like, scientifically how birth control works. And I was like, so we actually ended up having a conversation about it because the teacher had limited time. So her and I talked about it further. But I will say, from the time that Stella was, very, very small. We had, I mean, in kindergarten, I had to sign off on her learning age appropriate things about sex. We talked, I mean, we always had the body talk, you know, this is a penis, this is a vagina. She had a series of high school babysitters. I would all babysit her at once and I trusted them, but I would always say, you know, like, who's allowed to help you wipe? Who's allowed to give you a bath? We always had conversations like just around her body, around real body parts, around, um, I mean, just anything body related. And that's so much different than when, when we were young, Susie. I mean, we, nobody talked about that stuff. No. You know, you didn't have conversations about your privates. Right. That's what they called them. Your mm -hmm. privates. Your privates. Well, and you know, when Stella had that conversation, she, you guys were in the pizza shop and I was asking her, and I think that, I mean, how tough would it be to be a teacher answering those questions oh, yeah. and doing it in a way that is serious, but relatable. And, um, but I told her though, I said, as silly as some of those questions are, somebody really doesn't know. Well, there's a lot of things I didn't you know. know. I mean, I remember being in my freshman year of high school and they were talking about blowjobs and someone's telling me what a blowjob is, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. You don't blow on it, so why is it called a blowjob? Good question. Nobody had a good answer for that. Or they were talking about fisting a girl. I'm like, I don't know what that means. A fist, the whole fist fits up there? I don't understand. But does. I didn't have anyone to ask. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all I can think about is a fist now. Jesus. <laughs> Kimmy's four <laughs> and a half. Well, but I mean, but that, those are things, but I think that, you know, having those questions and doing those at school is, is good because maybe there's something happening. Right. To you. And mm -hmm. I hand it to that teacher for yes. putting yeah. themselves in that situation because it probably wasn't comfortable for them, but what a service. And you know, they're going to laugh. I mean, if I'm laughing about it at 44 years old still to this day, they obviously, I mean, imagine being 13 and doing that. I mean, what a funny age. Well, I'm just impressed that they actually ask questions. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would have never asked any questions. No way. I mean, we had those sex, sex talks when we were in school, and it was very clinical, right? So you have the vagina, and you have the penis, and 
nobody even really knew understood what they were saying. And are there any questions? Nobody's going to raise their hand. Yeah. yeah. So when did that start for you guys? Like I remember briefly in, I want to say like third grade, we had a presentation where people were dressed like bears and they did a good touch, bad touch talk. And then we had our period conversation. And then it was like seventh or eighth grade, we had the very clinical sex conversation and then junior year in health, we talked about STDs and how sex was the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Yeah, well, in fifth grade, they did give us a talk about our periods. Like, they separated the boys and the girls. Mm -hmm. And I think the boys... I Clearly, guess, talked, according to my son, talked, talked about, about putting deodorant. deodorant. Yeah. yeah. And the girls, they talked about periods. And um, then I remember in eighth grade, in biology, we talked a little bit about sex and pregnancy and we had a youngish kind of cool teacher and he kept saying that when we get to chapter 13 that's when we're going to talk about sex and so everybody kept joking about chapter 13 and they couldn't wait till chapter 13 but it was very watered down and very little information so my thing is though <clears throat> we learn about part of the stuff and i think it's hard for teachers because they are, I think it's difficult for teachers because. Well, they're clearly limited on what they can Exactly. Say. And, you know, they shouldn't be the one responsible for teaching all these kids about everything. But they have to do a certain, you know, part of that thing. But, but a lot think, of parents don't talk to their kids. Right. No, so and it's, on, yeah, and it's like. Sunday school. I mean, you can't give all your religion in one hour, one day a week when your parents have to set the foundation. The parents have to set the foundation for your bodies. But my thing is, as a female, you know, we're sitting here and we're talking about things that oral sex, let's say, but nobody talks about it. It's always for the guy. And they don't talk about the woman. Without giving away who she is, I was um, with a person who was a freshman in high school and I was a married adult with a child and she said, Hey, can we go shopping? And I said, yeah, sure. So she's like, I really need to talk to you. So we go to Applebee's and I said, what's up? And she goes, I gotta tell you something. I said, yeah, what's up? And she goes, I had sex. And I said, okay. And she goes, okay. And I said, yeah, okay. I said, what'd you think? And she goes, was horrible and I said of course it was and she said what do you mean and I said friend whose name I won't mention 15 year old boys have no idea what they are doing no one's they don't know they don't care they're all about themselves and I said I promise you when you're older when you're more grown up when you've learned a little bit more about yourself and your own body and what makes you happy you will find someone that wants it to be a good experience for you as well and they will make sure that you're also enjoying yourself and then it's great but while you're in high school probably not gonna happen but if you have any other questions you ever need to talk to me let me know and later on this particular person's mother ripped me a new one because that was apparently the wrong thing to say and I was supposed to tell her that if she ever has sex again like she'll get AIDS but that's the thing too it's like you know we're sitting here and we're like don't have sex don't have sex and then you have these 
kids, these girls, young girls that maybe have sex or something's happened to them and they're having babies and putting them in dumpsters because they don't have that parental person well, they don't to have talk the to. Capacity yet. Yeah. And, but they don't have, they're afraid to talk to their parents, but we've pushed this whole, um, you know, don't have sex before marriage. Don't have sex before marriage. My thing is don't have sex before marriage is fine. But if you do, here's this, here's what needs to happen. Well, I think in in American society, we try to gate keep high school girls vaginas. And what I mean by that is they have their own agency. They have their own you know, capacity to make decisions. And are they the right ones? Hell no. We all did stuff that was super messed up in high school, whether it was bullying somebody or having sex with too many people or stealing or I don't know. There's a whole list of things. But at the end of the day, if we try to, you know, it's like drinking. If I am always like, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. That just makes someone do it more, you know? And And, and the other side of that is that how do you know that you can be married to someone if you're not sexually compatible? I mean, not that I'm encouraging premarital sex, but what if I have sex with someone and they don't care about me as a person or or don't care about my, I shouldn't say don't care about me as a person, but they don't care about my needs. They're just there to satisfy themselves. Do I want to stay married to that person for the next 70 years? Hell no. So society has gotten more open about sex but it's still not a I mean it's still kind of a taboo topic circling back to what Susie said you know we said let's talk about sex and Susie was like I don't know if I want to I think though while she isn't wanting to talk to the general public over social media I think that a good relationship allows you to have that conversation with your significant other I mean there are things that I like and things I don't like. And after 28 years of marriage, Bob should freaking know, right? I think a lot of people are afraid to discuss with their partner their individual needs. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. And I'm, and I'm saying that because I don't think a lot of women know what their needs are. We're never taught, you know, that... I mean, the conversations that I've had with people, guys, because... That's who I have sex with. Um, only Chris now. But um, are, you know, 75% of women don't orgasm from vaginal sex. Guys don't get that. Because they don't, they think they're studs. And let's be honest, in college we faked it, we lied, we pretended, we did them no favors. But so these guys, they don't know what women want. And a lot of women don't know what they want because no one ever said, well, and if they haven't actually had an orgasm, then they don't even know what that feels like to want it again. No one ever said to them, well, have you tried clitoral stimulation? Have you tried? No, we don't talk about that because still in society, even in 2023, the notion of having sex and enjoying it and it being a thing that you do to connect with the person that you want to be with, or quite frankly, not. Maybe you just want to go out and fuck 10 people. And I honestly, I don't judge. I think well, that's okay too. But we don't ever have the conversation of, hey, this should be enjoyable. This should be great. And if you don't like this, maybe these five things would help. That's not a conversation that society has. And, and we make a big deal about things like, I mean, I was joking earlier when we had this con- started having this conversation about the Kama Sutra. And... Mm-hmm. The book that shows you all these different positions and people think that that's pornographic. Is it really pornographic or is it just a way for you to look at it and say, hey, well, maybe this would be good for me? Yes, because those positions, if you really learn about that, it is for your body and to experience 
different and, sensations, and, right? Yes, different sensations. The art, it's it's an art of sex. And, you know, we look at it as taboo in here in America, but it's not taboo everywhere else. I mean, it's it's supposed to be something that's fun and you're supposed to be comfortable with yourself. And, you know, I mean, hell, I had an orgasm for as long as I can remember. I gave myself, you know, gave myself them. And for as long as so I knew exactly what I needed, you know, we can put anything in our vaginas that's not what gets us going i mean it is but it's not i mean the end result is a climax just like a man i mean imagine if they just stuck it in there forever and they never climaxed yeah but they don't know any better because no one's ever taught them any better exactly it's still as much as we i think have come you know, I, it, <laughs> I hate all of you. You had to pause. You had to pause. Uh, yep. It's fine. Right. <laughs> I think as much as we've come a long way about being more open, I think there's still a long way to go. Um, and there are still aspects of sex that we don't talk about. I mean, it is still, I've talked in this group privately with the four of us, but I was sexually assaulted by my friend's stepdad as a child. That is still a taboo thing. You don't fucking tell people something like that, you know, or coming out shouldn't be as hard as it is. Well, I think that it's pretty sad though, that like, we feel like we have to come out and talk about whether we like girls, guys, both, you know, none. Okay. Can I ask I mean, a question? I would. I'm going to ask a question out of left field, but I remember when I took psychology in high school, Mr. My teacher <laughs> said we were, sex was one of the topics and he, and someone said, well, when, when do you stop having sex? Like, when are you too old to have sex? And he goes, you're never too old to have sex. And I remember that moment, everybody in class is going oh my god the groaning and I just remember like this like light bulb kind of flipped on in my head and I really saw my parents in a different light more as like duh they love each other they you know my parents spent all sorts of time together of course they're boinking under the roof when I'm asleep or watching a movie you know like and I don't want to take that away from them and I just remember being like huh yeah duh of course my parents are having sex but then but then other kids they're like my, my kids at one point have said, so you guys have had sex three times, right? Because there's three right. kids. Right. Like, right, yeah, three times. And my kids you heard, get pregnant every time. And my kids heard me having sex before. So um, we were, full disclosure, she just walked through the room and we just had this conversation. Um, <coughs> we were on vacation and we were in a two-bedroom condo and she was in the living room and we thought she was asleep. And so Chris and I were having adult fun time. And apparently she woke up and had to go to the bathroom. So she flings the door open and she's like, oh my God, I can hear you. What are you doing? And we're like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. So she pees, she leaves. And then we're like, all right, we'll just be like really quiet. So we try to finish up and the door. Well, it's not any good if you're really quiet. <laughs> the door flings open again. Costella has no boundaries and there's no lock on the door. And she's like, all I can hear is. Oh <laughs> and we're like we're so sorry so then chris is like we're we're so far like we'll just make no noise so the next morning we get up for the 6 a.m flight and somebody is pissed 
up and the whole flight to the airport or ride to the airport she's like didn't get any sleep last night couldn't sleep wonder and we're in the car with my parents by the way wonder why so tired <sighs> must be nice to get sleep at night because I couldn't get sleep at night yeah. so we're like you know we apologize profusely and we have this whole conversation with her about like why we were wrong and how we'll never do that again so we move in <laughs> we move into this town not have sex just not do it when she can hear so I move into this townhouse and Chris and I I stood in her room and he stood in my room and I'm yelling to him and he can't hear a thing so we're good you know well sure enough one night not too long ago the door flings open because not only does Stella hear it, she refuses to allow it to continue. So she, the door flings open and she's like, I can hear you having sex again. Oh my gosh. And I'm literally baffled because you can't hear from our room to her room. So the next day I'm like, all right, friend, like, I'm really sorry about what happened last night, but I'm genuinely confused as to how you heard anything. Well, somebody who was supposed to be asleep at 10.15 left her room at 10.45. And so I politely said, well, if those aren't the consequences of your own actions, if you don't want to hear that, stay in your room. <laughs> so Bob and I experienced something somewhat interestingly similar. Um, at one point, we were having fun time in the morning. And <laughs> little Sarah's knocking on the door. And we're like, we're getting cleaned up. We're getting dressed. You know, whatever. We'll be out a little bit. She's like, but I need you now. And her brother from the other room screams, oh, my God, they're having sex. Get away from the door. <laughs> and then you hear Sarah go, <laughs> Needless to say, when the door was shut in the morning, our kids at least never knocked on it again. Oh, God. Stella has no boundaries. So I will say... Probably as a result of me always being extremely, like, open with her about, you know, who can see you naked, who can this, who can that. And combined with that, that I will admit openly on this podcast that I am a naked mom. I hate clothes. I think they're terrible. So Stella has seen me naked a hundred times a day. Um, <laughs> this is a daily occurrence. I'm only wearing clothes right now because you people are here. So, um, and then, so she... She doesn't want us to see her naked, which we 100% respect. We don't open doors if she's naked or whatever. But she has no boundary on our behalf. So, like, she'll come in our bathroom in the morning when Chris is in the shower and yell at him for being naked in his own bathroom. But the solution would be to use her own bathroom. That just never crossed her mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I ever walked in on my mom, but she was divorced when I was three. And I don't, I don't think I ever did. Well, if you did, you don't remember. I don't remember, so... At least you weren't traumatized. I don't think so, no. Have your kids ever walked in on you guys, Susie? Not that I know of. I mean, not that they ever <laughs> confessed to. You mean they didn't open the door and say, Mom! Yeah. So when you get a text from Clara Grace, uh, we want to see it. I think you should text them all right now and be like, <laughs> did you ever, ever walk in on us so that we know for sure? Do you have that kind of I'll relationship get, with Oh, them? I could, but okay. I'll get back to you. I'll ask him, I'm going to be like, you're walking on your mom and dad. So, <laughs> I, I actually want to tell you a funny story about what just happened to us in uh, Roatan. So, Uh-oh. Sarah texts me and says she wants to go to Nashville, Tennessee for, for fall break because she wants to go to see this special tattoo artist that does these glow-in-the-dark tattoos. Oh, my God. And I'm like, cool. And she's like, do you want to go with us and you can get one, too? I'm like, yeah. So, then I decide that I want to get a glow-in-the-dark tattoo of these... Um, <gasps> 
porcupine fish. So like big puffer fish. <laughs> if you can picture big puffer fish. They have these big, huge eyes. And I, I said, I want to put them on my back with my back aquarium that I have a, a whole tattoo of an aquarium on my back. And my husband says, oh my God, you can't do that. And I said, why? And he goes, because those glow in the eye, glow in the dark eyes will be staring at me whenever we're doing it from behind. <laughs> so Bob then sends that text to the girls that says, <laughs> uh, actually, I sent the text to the girls, I think, that said, your dad said this. And they're like, we do not want to know this stuff. My mom and I don't talk oh as in depth as that. But I will say one of the things that I really, really appreciate about her is that we have you know, really open relationship when we talk about all sorts of stuff. So when she was, you know, going to have her hysterectomy, we talked about it. When I was pregnant, we talked about it. I mean, she was the one that told Chris, you're not getting late on your wedding night because your wife's tired and pregnant and fat. And, and so I, that's the, that is a relationship I aim to have with Stella. And I, I think from a, when she was very small, my whole goal was like, how do I protect her? How do I keep her from having traumatic experiences like I did? But now it's like, you know, she doesn't want details of my sex life. I don't want details of my mom's sex life. But having a person that's always there, that's always in your corner, that you can ask any question to, mm -hmm. is really key and really cool. What is one piece of sex advice to close this podcast out that you think it's important for other women to hear? Okay, got it. Um, having enough self-worth to say what you enjoy and being able to... Kimmy. That was to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think that women should enjoy. Okay, wait. Could you repeat the question? So what is one piece, <laughs> what is one piece of sex knowledge that you've gleaned over the years that you think could help another woman out? And I think that being able to say what you like and what feels good and be with somebody that has the same mutual respect that if you can enjoy what you're doing as far as sex. Make sure that you like and are able to tell them what you want done. If you want them to go downtown on you, if you want them to lick your ass, whatever it is, have them do it. But whatever you like that feels good on your body, know your own body. Feel, I mean, don't be afraid to experiment with yourself so that you know what you like. It's not taboo. Well, I guess my answer, part of it would go back to um, our last podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, about body image. I think that regardless of how you feel about your body, when it comes to sex, you have to kind of set that aside and maybe adopt a little bit of body confidence in order to feel like you're accepted and to be able to put yourself out there even if it doesn't feel necessarily comfortable. And I say, don't be afraid to try new things. I mean, we, as a society, obviously the focus is on, you know, the missionary position and the marriage and, oh my God, that's the least pleasurable position available, in my opinion. I like laying on my back and not doing a lot. I like laying on my front and not doing a lot. <laughs> I like bending over and seeing if I can still touch my toes all the time. Can you touch your toes? Yes, impressive. I always can touch my toes. What's yours? Um, so I very, 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 very briefly touched on this earlier, but like I said, I had some sexual trauma as a child, and I think it impacted a lot of 
things that I did going forward and not having self-worth in that area and probably allowing people to take advantage and do things. And, you know, I had a lot of sex and I did a lot of things as a result of that. So I think we all have to take a step back, look at ourselves, realize who we are, why we are, how we got there and deal with those issues. Because if we can't, you know, fully come to terms with how we've gotten where we are, how do we expect someone else to come in and be able to be the person we need them to be? Yeah, that's good. you know, advice, again, to girls out there, have fun. Be with somebody that makes you feel good about yourself. I've seen a lot of, you know, and it's, it's and, and trauma comes in all forms and mm-hmm. shapes and sizes. So I used to own a daycare center, and I have these women who have five, six kids by five or six different men because their trauma is, you know, growing up without feeling loved. And so they're having these babies Mm -hmm. to try to bridge that gap. And sex is supposed to be this fun and beautiful and cool thing. And people use it to try to be a Band-Aid over past wounds and other things. And that ruins it. Mm -hmm. And it makes it not fun and not what it's supposed to be. So, guys... What fun we've had talking about <laughs> what goes on in between the sheets in our houses and yours. If there's if there's anything that you want to know that we haven't addressed, Keep let us know. So. And we probably <laughs> will talk about sex again in different capacities. I think that one thing that's important to note is that there are a lot of women listening to this podcast who maybe don't have someone to talk to and they don't have someone that, you know, will be open and honest with them. And that's why we're here. So if you have a question, shoot us a message. If you have, I mean, there's the anonymous feature on Facebook. We're open books. We want every topic to be a topic everybody's comfortable with talking about so that we let's move society forward let's all be super close besties and figure this out